Hey Firecrackers, it's Naomi and here we are, another episode, another fantastic discussion with kick-ass human beings. Today we have actor, writer, just phenomenal, glorious, firebird. <laughs> I don't know why. I might, I might be right. She might, that might be her spirit animal, but she's a firebird. She's such a dynamo. It's Amanda Crew. Right now you can see Amanda on Silicon Valley in its final season on HBO. Uh, I met Amanda because I hosted a panel at the um, LA Actra conference. And uh, she's one of those people, I just adore these kind of people where you're just chatting and it's like you've been friends forever. Like we just started talking, there was no like, I don't know, preconceived ideas about like well, how we should speak or anything. She's just such a real person. So I went over to her place in Los Angeles and had this chat. There are so many episodes banked that we are catching up and there's some good stuff coming, so, uh, so stay tuned. So I went over to her house and uh, had this great discussion in her place in Los Angeles. Um, there's definitely some sound effects, like you're gonna hear different goings on, especially from the very special guest that arrived during our chat, Amanda's dog. He's just adorable and he's so sweet and he jumped up on my lap and anyway, you'll hear it in this. And you'll be like, what are those sounds? Well, you've been warned. Uh, also some fantastic bird walla because we're basically sitting outside in this gorgeous little area. And uh, if you were thinking, as my producer Sydney thought, am I going crazy? Are there birds in my headphones? And I guess there are because there were sound effects on this podcast. This conversation was so much fun. She's just a sincerely delightful human being to share time with. At the end, I had to run. I remember being late for something, but I was like, oh, I want to talk to you longer. You're so interesting. And she's got such a great self-awareness. Um, so I could have talked to her forever. So jump in and join us for this conversation. Uh, we talk about uh, shit talking yourself, social media, meeting Ryan Gosling. Uh, she's got some very dark humor, which I'm a fan of. Uh, writing, directing, dogs, therapy, boundaries. We get into it with Amanda Cruz. So join the conversation. I think as I've gotten older, I can imagine more of a slower life where I'd actually yeah. be good. But I also know my personality, which is like I romanticize things. And then so I could see myself getting that. Yeah. And then being like, oh, fuck. Yeah, this well, is... Now what do I do? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shit. Maybe but the first month. I yeah. don't know. But maybe you'd find yourself like kind of into like landscaping or something like that. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe I would be the goat lady. Yeah. I mean, you don't want that title, <laughs> truthfully. But is this what you imagined like when you moved from Langley? <laughs> Did I imagine this? Yeah, like this kind of life? Yes and no. It's like, I I was very ambitious. As yeah. Have we started? Oh, yeah. I feel like, I, I feel, I'm like, are we like doing this? It's so natural. Um, growing up, I was really, you know, I had big, big dreams about, you know, I wanted to be an actor from a, like a young age, but I wasn't pursuing it until I was probably 16. Right. And so, but I was always dreaming about leaving, like where I grew up. I mean, up. to be fair, it's Langley. Like I, I spent time in Vancouver and Langley's lovely, yeah, but it's, it's not the place to no, become. It's, yeah, it's, it's very much kind of, you know, 
that where you raise a family and sure. and that was never on that's my 16 you could yeah. actually have done that <laughs> some people in my school did that's do right that. um and but that was just never what like I had this like little poster on my bulletin board for like the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and yeah it's like I'm going out there I'm like I'm gonna go to Hollywood right. And so I did imagine myself older, you know, the idealistic, like, movie star with, like, a huge, ma- you know, like, in the Us Weekly yeah. magazine, like that. And then also, sometimes I'm like, this is crazy that, like, you are living in L.A., you're a working actor, yeah. you're supporting yourself as an actor, like, that is also crazy. Yeah, it still shocks you that you've been able to do this. Yeah, yeah. and, like, not... But don't you think that's healthier? Like... Then you see people that they, they have somehow adopted this lifestyle as the norm. Right. And that to me, I did, it's so far. Like I still pinch, you know, uh, I'm from Second City. And I yeah. still go to those buildings and I see like my picture next to people like John Candy and Catherine O'Hara. Oh my O'Hara. God, like, yeah. What? Like I'm still in awe of where I've gotten to. Yeah, and I think that's like so important to have that kind of like... I, it's something that I'm not good at that I'm trying to do more of of like stopping to you know I'm yeah. just looking forward up at the mountain ahead of me and I need to stop and like look at right. how high I've climbed look what you've and done like, look what I've done take it in you know gratitude presence I know hashtag blessed <laughs> yeah. I get it but at the same time but like, it's true do you have anybody around you that goes hey take stock this is pretty great I have great friends that always remind me when I'm kind of like Stuck I'm in never going to work again. Of like, yes, yeah. I'm never going to work again, and all of that self talk that we've all engaged so in. So good at it, though. Yeah. Oh, I wait, mean, I'm a pro. <laughs> I'm so good at shit talking yeah. myself. Oh boy, <laughs> if there's a role of shit talking Naomi, I would book that in a second. <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah. yeah. So it it is it's it's a balance of that of of stopping to kind of take stock of yeah. of what happened, and it is it's 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 crazy when I think about. You know, and I think about, like, you know, I moved here when I was, I don't know, 21. I was 21 yeah. because I was legal drinking age. So yeah. Very Did you wait for me. that? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I'll wait. I know it's going to be hard, so I know I'm going to drink because I better make sure it's legal. <laughs> Honestly, that's probably, like, in my subconscious of, like, you got to make sure you can get drunk when right. you get there. Yeah. Um, but, but there's also, like, becoming an adult, you know, and what yeah. does that look like to you? And... Yeah. it's So, like, I look back moving here at 21 you know, I'm like, how did my parents let, as if like, yeah. you know, I was still a kid 21 or something. 21 is a child. But it's, but it's like crazy. And they say that about big risks. It's like, if you had known what the road was going to be, you'd never do it. Right. And that's why we do it. Right. It's because we don't know. But like looking back, I'm just like, oh my, like, and I was a mess when I moved here. Yeah. I was not in an emotionally stable place. I would, I should have been in therapy, but I had so much fear around that. And so... moving to LA was probably the worst thing I could have done because it really I mean it's it's such a cesspool of like Mm self-centeredness comparison everyone is you know someone or you're no one and like everyone wants to know what you do and if it ticks off a box or not and then they're like out of there Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um and then just trying to find your place in this industry you know in Vancouver I'd been auditioning and working for quite a few years. So it's just like, you know, there's like four casting directors. Everyone knew me. Yeah. And, and so I kind of like built, a, you know, community, a community. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And coming out here, you know, 
in my mind, I'm like, I'm just going to arrive, and then they're just going to, like, open the doors for me. That's like, bold thinking, though. <laughs> like, I kind of adore that, that vision. Isn't that sweet? I mean, I kind of have it, too, and I moved it way later than you did, and I still thought, oh, I'm just going to get there. They're like, like, oh, I, you my did vision that? Board, yes. I was like... Book three things in the first six, and I'm like, what, am I, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? I high hopes, but I don't know what's better. What's better to like imagine the best or imagine the worst? It, I could never answer that question. I don't know. It's I I I'm always trying to like look back at like you know how I did things and was that the I'm I self reflect probably too much. Right. My therapist is like, you're a thinker. And you're like, yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I ask myself way too many questions. Yeah. But, but I wouldn't have moved here had I known what I was going to be up against. And so right. I'm grateful that I did right. have wild ambitions, but also was deeply insecure at the same time. It's like, I'm going to do this. And also like, I suck. But what a weird place to find confidence in your... Because you had to have some sort of confidence to step into yeah. the, the auditions, let alone the meetings and all the challenges that you face as a 20, 21-year-old. Yeah. It's, it's a weird combination of like... Because I wouldn't look back at myself then and think I was confident or, right. or fearless. Yet, looking back at what I did, it's just like that takes confidence and that takes you know bravery but I didn't it was very much I was wearing like a fake cloak you know just kind of like yeah I'm totally self-assured and confident did you have secrets like that did you have like a like I don't know what what how did you get through those times honestly (laughs) I like barely survived I mean that was I I struggled with like an eating disorder throughout my teen years, but like it was never, you know, to that, if there's a spectrum or whatever, it was, yeah. you know, one to 10, 10 being the worst. I was, you know, in my teenage years, like a four or five, uh-huh. which is probably most people, it's like, it's a normalized Teenager. way of just, yeah, it's just like <laughs> toxic, you know, body image culture and diet culture, all that. But, yeah. but then when I moved here, it it was kind of like the gateway for me to take it to just a really and so it just got worse and worse and worse yeah. because I I felt so out of control here because I mean yeah you know compared to Vancouver no, no one knew me I like I wasn't getting any response in the room they don't care about you I'm right. going in for like pre pre reads you know with like yeah. an assistant without a camera right oh, you're yeah. like oh. it's not always a treat yeah, you're like, like oh so God. this isn't going anywhere yeah and so just very confused about you know internalizing it as I'm doing something wrong what am I doing wrong and just kind of looking around for clues and I'm looking at all these girls who are working and the ones in the waiting room and I'm like they're all super thin Mm -hmm. super pretty they dress a certain way they do their makeup a certain way and I was not that girl in Vancouver like I was the girl that like barely like I didn't try to you know present myself in this like stereotypical kind of way I mean probably to some degree very lost but but I yeah. just I didn't really push the sexuality of it all right and oh, right. Looking, and you got here and you're and like, it's oh. all and so that you know I just started taking cues from what I was seeing and controlling my food made me feel right. like it gave me that feeling of I mean control which felt powerful and I didn't feel powerful in any other area yeah. of my life and so and then you get addicted to that feeling and so then you, you take it a little bit further right. and a little bit further and I took it really really far in the hospital for that I technically like didn't did it uh, because I 
I was also addicted to working out, like, really right. aggressively. Like, mm-hmm. I would keep a calendar that tracked my workouts, what kind of workouts, and there was no days off. I did not take it. And right. a lot of days were double workouts, like, workout in the morning. Right. And, it, and, and, and you're thinking, I'm being really healthy. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I'm yeah. just, like, I'm doing the thing. Like, I'm serious about my craft. Right. Like, a serious actress takes, like, you know, her body very seriously. That's what's expected of us. Yeah. And, um, and so I, one morning, you know, I didn't have breakfast. I had only had coffee and, oh, I was smoking. And I was a vegan. Right. A vegan who smokes. But right. American spirit, so, you know, they're natural. <laughs> right. Whatever the fuck right. that means. Yeah. And um, so I'm running literally on empty, and but even less than empty because then you got this, like, jittery thing from the coffee and the cigarettes going on and so I went to Fryman and I went like you know running uphill like um, I, I think back and I'm like wow I must have looked like people going past me must have been like ooh cries for help yeah she's yeah. got some problems yeah <laughs> um and so running uphill and then now I'm running downhill I trip on a rock and because I'm so weak I didn't I couldn't catch my footing and yeah. I fell and I fractured my knee wow and and that was kind of the beginning of you know my wake up call. Was it, it like did you kind of hear that and go, "That's my body saying, hey, you it, watch it." Yeah, it was. I had a roommate at the time, and she she had kind of you know tried to test the waters of talking to me, but right. I was so shut off, and and so that night. I did come to her like after the hospital and everything mm-hmm. and I was just like I think I couldn't even say eating disorder or anorexia all I could say is like I think I'm like might have a problem that's all I could say and it still took me a really long time yeah. to admit what that problem was yeah um but you know and it took a lot like it took a long time for me to really recover and I think that's something that people think about recovery is is it's just like you have that wake up call and, and then and then because yeah, it's an addiction right totally like, and so it took me you know and it, it just got incrementally better through like a lot of work but it it was years in the making yeah. I mean there, you get past a certain curve where you're like out of the woods kind of thing mm-hmm. where you're just like okay I'm no longer like physically in danger anymore mm-hmm. But rewiring the brain and everything, mm-hmm. especially when you live in a cesspool of like yeah. all of those triggers, it was really, really difficult. But I basically, I moved out of this apartment because it wasn't, it was kind of a toxic environment, mm-hmm. two girls and kind of that kind of behavior kind of being just living yeah. in there yeah and it was in west hollywood and i was like i need to get out of west hollywood right. i need somewhere that feels kind of like a community base that i had in canada so i moved to los Feliz, yeah. and i was like oh i can walk around and like look people in the eyes yeah. there's not billboards everywhere and i started you know real yeah, yeah and i just you know kind of moved some kind of toxic people out of my mm-hmm. life and started bringing in more more Canadians. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. What do you think that brought to your life? Like, what did Canadians bring? I think um, Canadians, I don't know. I mean, it, it represents home. Yeah. You know, there's my coffee machine just automatically Good. going. That's it's amazing. spewing itself. It, it does, I don't know. <laughs> but just, now it's ready. Yeah. That's how it works. 
coffee. It's time for coffee. It's time yeah, for I, guess. Coffee. I didn't want one, and neither do you. But they're telling but us. But now the coffee. We ready. have to. So. We have to have the coffee. Yeah. But yeah, I think Canadians are. You know, one represent home. There's mm-hmm. just kind of a comfortability when you meet a Canadian. It's just there's an immediate trust. Right. I, I just immediately feel like, oh, you're home, and you're probably a really good person. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and and I think most Canadians, especially that you meet in LA, you know, they've come down here, so they there's this there's a hidden language that we all speak. Yeah, they're know? in the trenches a bit. Yeah, we kind of like get it. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, just kind of being with more Canadians. I'm surprised you didn't um go home. Or tell, or your parents force you to go home. Yeah, well, my parents didn't know. I hid it from them, and I, I was very good at kind of like avoiding like trips back home and right. stuff. And, um, and to be honest, I, you know, and it kind of speaks to just the communication. I love my my parents, and my yeah. family so much, and they they will do anything for me. But communication hasn't always been easy. Not because of anything they've done or me. It's just vulnerabilities is yeah. is a really tough one, and that was a hard one for me. It's just I always wanted to present myself as perfect, and I have my things together. And so to be vulnerable and admit that I'm struggling was just not an option. Right. Um, Why do you think that is? Where Where do you think the the sec- not the secrecy, but the the um, I don't know the guard came from I think you know I know where it came from it's it's part you know my mom's my hero she she was adopted and she was not raised in the most you know family loving conditions Mm -hmm. and and not with a lot of money or any kind of you know privilege or kind of rosy optimistic output like for the future mm-hmm. like it, and so she she really like made something of herself by just kind of like I refuse to be that right, and so she had to she had to like bulldoze her way she had to fight like she had everything against her she didn't have anyone there showing her how to get an education or get what a good job is or how to like you know even handle your finances or all of like what's a good man mm-hmm. what like a good part all of that stuff like she taught herself all of that but she really had to like bulldo- bulldoze and fight her way mm-hmm. and that was her survival mechanism and so i have so i think for my mom vulnerability is very difficult for her yeah. because that was to be vulnerable means that anyone could like penetrate that and yeah. weakness it's like it's a threat and so um so i used to sometimes think back to that and think like why couldn't my mom be like more vulnerable and like more like that but now i look at it one with deep compassion mm-hmm. for like oh my mm-hmm. god like the more i learned about her upbringing it's just like first of all like holy fuck like look what she went through and right. what, look what she overcame but also you know compassion for the her inability to be vulnerable like of course she can't like it was a survival mechanism and it was also in a time where you know people were not talking about mental health and vulnerability we didn't have Brene Brown doing TED talks (laughs) no no if you went to like a counselor it was like well, you must be nuts. Like it was totally. so totally ex- that you. Yeah. Now I'm like in therapy every other week. Right. It's if like, you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I. So I think that's just you know that's what was modeled yeah. to me. But I'm grateful for it too, 
back to like, you know, I used to look at it kind of angrily, but now I'm like so grateful because I know that a big reason why I'm here in LA is because my mom taught me that like, you you can accomplish these things. You just have to work your fucking ass off right. and like things are going to be tough, but like you can do it if you like put your back into it. Right. That's what my mom said. <laughs> no, but you know what? That's interesting because I remember with my mom, like my mom had a really challenging childhood too and I'd always be like, come on, mom, like step up. Yeah. You're like, you're, you're my mom. So in my vision, you're everything. Right. And then the reality is she was like riddled with anxiety and totally. insecurities and... But these things that I just didn't see, or I just and she wasn't probably aware. didn't see yeah. either. Like, because she hadn't delved into it. I don't or... think like my mom has a word for like anxiety. Like, she would never be like, "I'm not anxious." Right? Be like, mom, <laughs> yeah, you're. Sweating. I'm anxious. You're anxious. <laughs> we have the same genes. Yeah. yeah, you gave me the anxiety. Yeah, but then it's interesting because like hiding away from vulnerability or steering yourself away from that, like with acting, that's our job is to be vulnerable. Yeah. So how do you cross that? Well, I think, to be honest, for the better half of my career, like the first half up until like, well, more than half, because I think for so long, anytime I had to do like vulnerable scenes or like cry, I I was just like, I cannot fucking do this because, and it it was impossible for me, of course, because if I can't be vulnerable in real life, how am I supposed to expect myself to be vulnerable in the scene? And so... If you look back at any of my work where like I had to be vulnerable, you can tell she is just squeezing out those yeah. tears. Just get them out. Get them out. Get What's them the out. menthol stuff? Yeah. They give you like, have a round of menthol yeah. on my just eyes, like, please. Just cover my face yeah. in it and like I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's, you know, this past like five years I've just been doing so much therapy and I feel like finally there's kind of like an openness that I've been able to access because I'm allowing myself to do that in my day-to-day life yeah and it feels really like therapy is so challenging but it's also just so like I would not trade it for the world but there's been so many times where I'm like why'd you decide to open that door Amanda like did you really need to look at that like I wish I hadn't like looked at that but once you get over that initial kind of acid on the wound type thing yeah. when you when you dive into things in therapy it's just like the release you can feel or for me I feel like the biggest gift has been being able to connect dots on you know I obviously I've always known the traumas of my my life and mm-hmm. and you can make general assumptions about like oh well it makes sense you did that but like when you can figure out these like yeah tiny just like connecting points to this and how you internalize this and then of course then that drove you to do that and um you know it's it's been a very i've just been so grateful for therapy yeah it's empowering right yeah it's sort of you're living more of your truth a hundred percent which is interesting because i feel like I mean, we've only, I've only met you through that actra yeah. panel, but I feel like you're one of the most true people. Oh, that's For so the amount sweet. of, like, attention that you have with your celebrities world. She's such a celebrity, that girl. I mean, is that you talking in the third person? Because yeah. that's super celebrity. <laughs> I'm like Mariah Carey. Just, I, it's just the heels right now that are really getting in the way of this discussion. But, like, how do you maintain that groundedness? Like... I, Do you recognize that that because I'll tell you I, I've had these kind of talks with different levels oh. of 
Have you ever heard that noise before? From yeah, my he dog? does. That means he's like very Just comfortable. Blessed. Like, yeah. I'm so happy with yes. him on my lap. That's. I'm so glad that made the cut. <laughs> but it could have been my tongue, <laughs> or it could have been like his uh, ass. Yeah, I mean. it could have been anything here. But I'm really glad it was not his ass because yeah. it's closer to my face. Um, I've had these discussions before, and in the research, I hear people's stories. You know when you hear a story and you're yeah. like, oh, that's your story? And I have them too. Sure, like, yeah. It's your party story. But I don't feel like you have that. Like, I feel like you have somehow maintained a, a true semblance of yourself in a real truthful way. Oh, that's so sweet. That, like, is, like, really, like, that's the biggest compliment anyone could ever yeah. give me. It's, and, but it's not, like... Do you do that consciously? I was just to say, it's not calculated. I think it's just that what my story was five years ago is no longer my story right you know like I, and I think that's in large part due to the therapy is just kind of like I'm constantly discovering more and more yeah. about myself and I think also just you know for so long I was in my interviews like hiding a certain part of myself right. I didn't want to talk about the eating disorder the struggles with, yeah. with that and for good reason like you got to protect that until you are at a good I think so until many you're times ready. To talk about. And we're just in such a culture right now that I, I'm really conflicted about, you know, I love that social media has opened this conversation about mental health and body image and depression and all of that. Like, I, you know, I can't imagine how that would have helped me if I, if I was a teenager and got to see that. Yeah. But I feel that... You know these platforms are not the perfect mediums to be talking about it that sometimes it's it's now just become like this calculated thing right where it's just like it's cool to talk about depression and it's cool to talk about anxiety but like if you're posting a photo of you like in a bikini and you're like hey guy and like looking hot and you're like hey guys like let's talk about body image and it's like I really struggled with like my body but like I decided I'm gonna post this photo and like this is me and it's yeah. like I get I get what you're feeling in this moment and like why you think this is empowering and it's not to say that that's not empowering but it's very mixed messaging for the girl in Ohio mm -hmm. who has a binge eating disorder and you know is struggling with everyone calling her fat yeah. and 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 they're like oh that's what that's what body positivity looks like is like is do and or is embracing your skinny self yeah like. and it's it's just it's you know you, people talking about like they wrote an album out of like from a really dark place of depression and and here's my billboard top album it's just like well i'm struggling with depression i can't even get out of bed what's wrong with me right. that i can't turn my depression into a art right. that's like on right. a billboard you know it's I'm not saying that it's wrong to post those things because it's not black or white I'm just saying it's very I can see how this mixed messaging can really like affect people and that you think you're doing something good but that it's not always going to be received that way and for me that that was a big reason why I got off social media because the only reason I wanted to be on social media, the only reason I've ever wanted to have a platform, I don't want to be famous. I just love acting. Like if I could just keep acting and never have to like put my face out there, that'd be great. Right. But even when I was younger, I was I did aspire 
for a platform because I was like, I want to help like younger girls. Yeah, that always seems like that's been part of your Yeah, goal. and and so at first it felt like social media was like this great place to like talk about these things. And then there was the option to see your demographics. And you know, you could see like where in the right. world people were and I like I was so upset when I found out that 93% of my followers on Instagram were men. And I was like, right. "Well, what am I doing? What am I doing? Right. Like, I, they don't care about right. this. Maybe like two percent of my audience responds to this this message, but for the most part, it's just guys wanting to see hot photos of yeah. me, and that for me is not who I am or what I am about. And so for me, like you know, I feel like I'm congruent with myself when I'm like doing like a panel about body image to an audience of 12 people. Like I've done that before. I get it. And get it, it feels so good. I'm like, this is what matters to me versus posting about like, you know, talking about body image and getting, you know, 15,000 likes that feeds your ego. But like, it doesn't, it doesn't have for me the same feeling. I'm not in a conversation with these people. I don't know like how they're interpreting it. And like, I like face to face type type stuff. Yeah, there's also something that I'm always talking about on this show is like, what's the call to action? So like, we're talking about body image and now, so the girl that's like, can't get out of bed, like what's one thing that we can do to help her get her foot on the floor? It's not asking you to get out of bed and get dressed and do it, do something miraculous in the world. Just get your foot on the floor. Yes. Because sometimes that's as much as people can do. Can, yes, and I've been there yeah. too. And, yeah. and for me on those days where I it's hard for me to get out of bed and it sounds so cliche but like self-compassion but that looks so different from for every person you know and and because I used to think like okay yeah like you take a hot bath like right like that's that's like self-compassion you know it's just like it could be though and it could be sometimes it is for me like at four o'clock I had like a really cruddy day the other day I'm like I'm having a bath (laughs) yeah I'm gonna shut her down yes 20 minutes and have a and bath in the And that day. is like what speaks to you. But I would do these things from these, you know, like top 10 lists, how to like take care right, of yourself. Right. And so I'm like, you're supposed to take a bath. I hate baths. Yeah. No, like I right. loathe a right. bath. And so I'm taking the bath. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I like this. I feel relaxed. And self-care. Like, self-care. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, and it's just aggravating the wound in you. Right. So that's not being in touch with actually what we need. So exactly. like, tap. but then that's a whole other journey. Like to know what you need is like. A maturity in our self-awareness that not everybody has. No, and, and I, I maybe still don't have it. Like sometimes I, I, I no, sit but it's still. ever evolving. You know, yeah. it's, it's you're constantly just the the goal is to be getting to a deeper level with yourself each time. And right. I, so, what would be your number one self self care? I hate using that word because it's a little bit overused. But like something that helps you get through a dark time. I think the the biggest thing not for a bath. me. Yeah, it's yeah. not a bath. But when for me, self compassion is not beating myself up about how I feel. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. been a hard one for me because anytime I feel depressed, I'm just like, get over it. Yeah. Like get over it. And the self like the talk that I have to me is just so mean. I know. Like could We're you so imagine if your friend was like depressed and you're like, get the fuck out of bed, bitch. <laughs> you're lazy ass. But then sometimes that works for people. Like 
that kind of tough love stuff, but it does not work it with did, me. Yeah, like it mine does is not, like, no. let me make you a cup of tea and a yeah. snack. And I'm Which, like, why yes. don't I do that for myself? Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, treating yourself how you would treat your, your closest friend. Yeah. And, you know, th- once you have a foot on the ground, I think like the main goal is to start getting in a dialogue with yourself and start learning about yeah. yourself. And that's what, you know, all this therapy I've been doing has helped me do because I I was not raised in the environment, especially like in Langley and like with just certain the people that I surrounded myself with, who I chose and like everything. It's not to knock on my friends because like I still am really close with those no, girls no, and I love them so much. It's, it's but just about the world, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like I grew up in a very white Christian town, very privileged. Even though we didn't have like a ton of money, it was just a very like bubble world, mm-hmm. and so I wasn't really raised that in a world that kind of independent thinking was, you know, championed. Right. And so I was very much kind of like follow the rules and this is how life looks and this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to dress. This is how I'm supposed to be. And that's one of the greatest things that's come out of my therapy is, you know, my therapist, the my favorite question she always asks me is like, according to who? And just like, just right. according to who. And it doesn't mean you have to like now be like, yeah, I'm I'm not this and I'm not that and like everything you're just fighting up against. But like just recognizing that like, you know, who who says that like, you know, to be a good, I don't know what a good example is. You know, sometimes I feel bad because I don't go visit my parents as much as I right. should. And I was, you know, I was like, I feel like a bad daughter. And she's like, according to who? Like, what has your mom ever said you're a bad daughter? No, no. and like, but also, Buzzfeed, like, what is the definition of, of a daughter? Yeah. You know, like, you get to define that for yourself. And every family's different. Mm-hmm. And to compare myself to the good daughters that call their mom every single day and talk Meanwhile, to Meanwhile, those mothers are like, give me a break. I can't <laughs> stop calling you so Stop much. calling me. But just. But it, don't you think also we're just doing the best we can? And I'm oh. trying to keep myself in check with that because it's not always the best that I think I can but it's like I'm doing the best I can yeah. I really am and vice versa for people that are like in my world oh god yeah no oh, that's not like, easy no it's not because I get very argumentative in my head about like you know certain people and like how dare they yeah. as if like I'm perfect and like I've never like messed up and that was a part of getting off social media because I was getting in arguments in my head with like people like posting stuff because that world is it's it's ego you yeah. know and it represents so much of the stuff that fueled my eating disorder right and so for me it you know, a, re- a reason why I got off was because it was like a tether to an old way of thinking and valuing myself that I fought so hard mm-hmm. to disconnect from. And I I tried every possible scenario of like, I, I won't have it on my phone. And then like, and then if I need to post, like, like I'll just do desktop yeah. and like I'll unfollow these types of accounts and I'll mute that and like nothing works. So you're not on anything anymore? Not on anything. And have you noticed that it has altered your career at all? Because people put so much pressure on social media now. Yeah. I So I've only been off for like a couple months, but my manager, 
who represents a lot of big time okay, Hollywood okay. people. <laughs> but my manager, when I told her, you know, and, and again, like, why am I scared to tell my manager I got off fucking Instagram? Right. Yet I'm like, so I just wanted to let you know, um, I deleted my Instagram account and she's like, that's great. She's like, I wish a lot more of my clients would get off that. Right. She's like, honestly, it everyone thinks it does so much for your career. She's like, the only thing it really affects is you know, potentially an endorsement deal, which is not on my trajectory, so that doesn't matter to me. Gotta give a little shout out to one of our sponsors. If you know me, you know that Second City has been a huge part of my life. It brought me to where I am today. I trained there, I wrote and performed a bunch of shows there, I met my husband there. They are a building full of jokes. Full of jokes, you can go any day of the week and see a show. They also have amazing facilities and an even more amazing community. We've been using the Toronto Training Center as a meeting space for the firecrackers who are in Toronto. And we also use Second City Hollywood for our script department readings. Go on, go be part of these readings or come to the next one, the last Sunday of every month. Check out our website and stay tuned for the end of the podcast for more details about the script department or just write to firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com and we'll get you all the answers you need. But thanks, Second City. You're a good family to be part of. I love you. Go check out their shows, their classes, their everything at secondcity.com. But like, I think... When I thought about it of like, because that was the question, like, is this going to affect my chances of getting certain jobs? And it's just like, those aren't the jobs that I'm going after that are worried or concerned about that. I think, you know, if you really are, I don't know, going after a career that's like about how hot you are. No, it's the, it's the community building though. Like when you talk about having a platform to mm-hmm. make a difference and have discussions about body image and things like that, like that's sort of, that's sort of a platform. Sure. Like I'm, it's a necessary evil, I guess is what I'm saying. And I wonder how to make it work for our psyche as well as our right. intentions. I think. I don't have the answer, by the way. <laughs> there, I, and that's the thing is like, there is no answer. I think it's just unique to each person yeah. and their goals because if my career was more based on you know I think especially in comedy like it's such a great tool to kind of like put yourself out there yeah. like show like how funny you are different little sketches you come up with and stuff like that and then it serves a very useful tool yeah and and probably comes with like good feeling like you're sharing yeah. your art and but for me I don't do that and so it just never, I could never feel like I could post anything that, like, why am I posting a photo of me, you know, like, I don't know, on a, on a carpet, first of all. Right. And that just felt gross because it just felt like kind of like, look how cool and above everyone I am. And I mean, bottom line is it's what, what's for you, right? If it wasn't for you, then it's not for you. That's, and that's, that's my takeaway and kind of like my thing because a lot of my friends have been asking me about it it's just like I'm not saying you shouldn't be on it like I'm just saying for me and my mental health I've come to a realization that like it's not worth like fucking with my mental health because I might get one extra job because of it right and I've never met anyone 
who got a job because of their following on social media. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I just wrestle with it because it does feel, in the world of comedy, I get it because I do like the idea of like posting a joke or totally. posting something funny and getting a good reaction because it makes you feel like you have a platform for Absolutely. Your you have comedy. an audience. Yeah. So when you're like, I know you had your um, Granny Girl blog yeah. for a while. That's done, no? Oh, God, yeah. That was like 2013. But that was so fun. Like, it was fun, but it was just like a lot of work. Right. Right. It was a lot and of And it work. wasn't serving like anything other than like a fun It was thing just to do. supposed to be for fun, but mm-hmm. then that was when blogs were really kind of like blowing up. And then there's this like pressure to like post a certain amount and per week and and the content and it was just like it was a lot it was a lot and it wasn't fun anymore and we we didn't want to make it into like this like business it was just like supposed to be fun and both me and amber were like this isn't fun anymore and now i look at where blogging has gone and it's very much kind of blogger influencer type the the line is blurred and i look Mm at how much their instagram is the work that goes into mm-hmm. it and it's just like thank god I got yeah. out like it would have just like crushed me because it, you couldn't do any activity without trying to figure out where's the perfect photo then you're constantly going where's the photo of this thing yeah, like, this lighting's bad this light, I can't do it we in never this we never video these or record them in right because I want to have like just a discussion where I can like sit with my belly and like yeah. not feel like I'm have to be sitting up straight or anything like that totally so, yeah yeah but now because I know you do photography too so could you ever see yourself doing like an Instagram account just for your photography what was funny was that when Instagram first started I, that's all I posted was just yeah. like my photos and yeah. never a photo of myself and because that's what Instagram used to be. It was that's how right. you saw the world, your experience through the world. Which I loved. I loved. Yeah. But then it shifted and the camera turned on yourself. Right. And it became how you want the world to see you. Everyone's curating. Right. Look at me this. looking at the world. Yeah, yeah. And like you get to kind of curate and write your own narrative about your life and present it to the world, which is powerful. Mm-hmm. But most of it has kind of I feel like with actors you know it's it's very clear like if you're a photographer like it's clear what your Instagram page is going to be if you are a baker very clear what right. your Instagram page is going to yeah. be but for actors because our art is ourselves that line got very blurred with influencer and I saw so yes. many kind of actors then be doing more posts and photos about kind of their aspirational life, you know, Mm -hmm. like this is my kitchen and like I made this like organic tea Mm -hmm. and like, which is all beautiful and nice. But I was like, that's, I'm not, I'm not like a curator, influencer, aspirational liver. Like I'm an actor. Right. And, and it just, it, it just got blurry. Yeah. I mean, I do like seeing people's stories. Like, I think people forget that when you zoom out of people's Instagram accounts, you can see their stories. And you can see, like, wow, there's, like, a lot of your face. Yes. And, is that and that's just, what that's know. what I was going to say, was that's what my Instagram became. Like, it used to just be right. all of my photos. And then, you know, I post, like, a photo of me. And I'm like, whoo, got a lot, got a of, lot of likes. likes. Right. And I listened to this podcast with this photographer where she was talking about how she thought like Instagram is very much like a dog whistle. 
and she saw so many photographers that she really admired and thought were like so unique and had such a strong voice yeah um kind of melt into you know the crowd because mm-hmm. they posted a photo that had like maybe like a lot of pink and blue and they're like ooh people really liked that right and so then even subconsciously they're taking more photos that look like that because they're being trained by the likes mm-hmm. that's the dog whistle it's just like so then all of a sudden their art isn't coming from an authentic place of their true voice mm-hmm. it's coming from one that's seeking the likes and the validation and then you start to wonder like well like what art isn't being created as a, as a result because you've blocked yourself off mm-hmm. and that was something that just kind of made me think about what I was putting out and how there's no doubt that e- like that that way of thinking is going to come into your personal life mm-hmm. like you can mm-hmm. you love to think that like you can like separate your online li- online life from your personal life but it's just like it's life yeah you're, you're putting it out there if I'm seeking validation as someone who suffered from an eating disorder which was all about like right. trying to fit into a mold it's just like it's too risky for me to be attached to that to that world yeah I think for some people it's power it's like for the fact sure that we actually I actually can control a little bit of my life whereas before Instagram and all those different mm-hmm. social media platforms you kind of go well I hope hope I get recognized yes. like my mom used to be like make sure you put lipstick on you might get recognized at the mall and I'd be like mom I'm not gonna get recognized at the mall and then one day I really did and it was and you're like um, it was the best day <laughs> no, of my no life. they were like do you want to do this like racy movie and I was like uh and my mom like she's 12 oh my so God. Was, but she's got lipstick on that's right, that's right. But look how pretty she looks yeah, but I, I mean, think for some people that is like why why they do it. Like the Instagram is that they don't have control over their career, right. and like you know, I have friends who. But it can turn around that way. Look at that, like you know, look at these stars that are Instagram hit sensations. Totally. So and suddenly, it, people are getting their their power and their quote unquote fame from that from doing opening a box, right? <laughs> like, like the Instagram box. If I see another them. fucking FabFitFun box unveiling, it's like just a lot. There's a lot of FabFitFun partners out there. We've got so many partners. I read this fascinating article about how influencers are faking sponsorship because it makes them look like a more legitimate influencer. Wow. So like they're not actually FabFitFun didn't pay them or you know send them a box they bought a box and then they posted about it as if they were a fat wow. fit fun partner because people will be like "Ooh, wow look at her she's now a fat fit fun partner yeah that's interesting Isn't that crazy do, do you have any strategy for your career like <laughs> i mean you said that you're the, the story <laughs> just like pray, pray. <laughs> yeah just like hope for the best like you said it's your story has changed from five years ago yeah so what do you feel like now in your trajectory you have a, do you have a strategy? Do you have like a plan? I mean, because you're a thinker, as yeah, I, I know. Uh, no, listen, says. yes, I am a thinker, and I like to think that, like, yeah, I've done the thing where it's just like, yeah, this year I'm gonna book this kind of movie yeah. and make this amount of money and blah, and it's just like it doesn't work for acting. Yeah, <laughs> there's just so like we like to think that like we could like create these roles and projects or whatever but it's just like the manifesting thing like is really hard with the acting it just doesn't like when people have that as their financial strategy when they're like i just need to book one commercial and you're like what yeah we all just need to book yeah we all just need to book one thing yeah if only but i think 
it is you're right though that like this you know the story changing like every five years my dog is like Daryl come here Daryl come here what's come what's here. going on we were cuddling hey come on up oh yeah oh, okay you can there come you on me um so the the story has changed and the the strategy that I like to say I don't have a strategy but I do have a strategy basically the excuse you (laughs) the strategy for me right now is you know I've been so fortunate and so blessed with silicon that I'm you know in a financial situation where I have stability so I can be choosier Mm -hmm. about what I'm doing and I'm so that is such a privilege and Mm -hmm. I know what it's like to not have that I've for most of my career didn't have that. And so right now I am in a place where I'm like, I don't want to do those kinds of roles. And like, yeah. usually it's just, I just don't want to be the girl on the side who's just lobbing balls to the boys while they yeah, like. I can't believe that those are still roles that. Oh, they are still, they are still out there. Yeah. They are wild and running free. Um, but so it's not about like a specific genre or type. I just want to work with people who are good and yeah. like I want to work with a director that knows way more than me <laughs> right which is hard because you have a lot of experience yeah and I just feel like sometimes like I want to be able to trust the director that they're going to guide me to a place and not that I'm having to act but also have my like antenna out thinking like is this right is this working like I want to be able to get lost in my performance yeah. and then look to the director and him be like yeah, too far for this her. way. Her, thank you. you thank know. you for catching that. Get, it's in our, I know. It's in our makeup. Like, I know. It's, thank you, know. you though. That's, that was good. Yeah. That We're was gonna, my take. Well, away. you're going to direct one day? Well, and that's that's also what's been part of it. Is I like, watched your um, butterfly. <laughs> you really did research. I did, but it's really beautiful. Oh, thank you. Like, it's not, it's a really cinematically beautiful piece. It's yeah, not, it, I lucked out with that DP, but... Yeah. Directing. I love is, it. You're not even taking credit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, so you're you're. But I said you're going to direct one day. Yes. Is that in your that's, vision? So writing. I've written a feature that I think I only have one feature in me. I'm not a writer who's like yeah. you know at the computer every day. That's not the kind of writer I am. I'm like okay, I wrote that one. That's all <laughs> I got left in me. I'm, right. I'm sure you know five years down the road another story will come to me but I feel very passionate about this story and it talks it speaks to a lot of the themes we've been talking about body image eating disorder but done in like a darkly comedic way that I don't think has really been done before and for me it was the kind of movie that I I would have watched that could like I don't know it's just eating disorder movies are always just like after school special so well or just so dark where you're like no one wants to watch this this is like also not my experience like it was dark but it was also you know looking back it's like i was fucking crazy i was like the things that i would do like the stories i have are hilarious yeah you know and i can i can have a sense of humor about it because it is my experience and 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 it's, you know, I've come out the other side, but, you know, doing so much work in this community, it's like, that's a lot of the girls that I talk to and men, like, it's just like, they have a sense of humor about yeah. it, but that's not represented in in the movies out there. It's just kind of like this, you know, rail thin girl attached to her toilet and just like sobbing while she like right. pukes. And it's just like, 
I don't want to watch that. <laughs> no, you lived it. Why do you want yeah, to watch it? Why do I want to watch it? Do you remember like a, a dark comedy moment for you in that journey? Um. Well, when I when I fractured my knee. Yeah. Oh I, yeah, hilarious. Yes. yes. <laughs> when I was hiking private, uh, I so like I fell and I knew that my agent at the time lived at the bottom of Fryman, mm-hmm. and so I was just like. I'll just, I'll just go to just her. Yeah. So I'm just like hobbling down. Meanwhile, not this dog, my other dog, was like, you know, they say like dogs are intuitive and yeah. when you're hurt, they're like, they know. Yeah. This motherfucker <laughs> was basically just dragging me down and I remember feeling oh just like, God. you don't care. Like, I <laughs> even was, my dog. Even yeah. my dog doesn't care. And so I arrived at um, the foot of her driveway, you know, I pressed the buzzer and I'm like, Eileen, like, I think I hurt myself. <laughs> so she opens yeah. her gate, and she's at the top of the hill, and she just sees me, like, covered in dirt right. and blood. And look, and she probably hadn't seen me for quite a few months, too. So, like, drastically thinner, too. Right. And so she, she's like, I'm coming down! And she, like, reverses her car and, like, pulls me into the car and then takes me to the hospital. And, oh, this is the part I'm forgetting. She takes me into her house first so I can, like, clean myself up or, like, go to the bathroom or whatever. I walk in. Ryan Gosling <laughs> is standing there. That's a pretty big um, fact in this story that you need to tell. Like, sure. I just... I, And this was, like, at awesome. the height of, like, awesome. the notebook. Like, he was the... Huh. And you're like, oh, hi. No, I was just, like... Just sweating. Oh. And so he was just like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, I just have to go to the bathroom. And he's like, do you want me to carry you? <laughs> and you're like, I mean, I don't need you to, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like very conflicted. of like, yeah, no. <laughs> oh my God. But so he's just there. And then, you know... Later, I asked Eileen, I was like, you know, because she was just like so alarmed. And I was like, what did you, like, what, what, you seemed really sk- troubled when you saw me. Like, what what was going through your mind? She's like, I thought you had been gang banged. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Which is just my favorite response ever to like. Why would she think that? Like, of all. I think because I looked like, I just looked insane yeah like twigs in your hair yeah just like, um like physically a mess but also i'm sure the glazed look in my face of just kind of like i think i was in shock oh my and God. so you know ryan gosling uh taking the little gangbang girl to oh the my bathroom. God, that's fantastic um but there you know there's all there's all yeah, you gotta tap into those comedy moments because totally. it's part of us like it, i yes. i feel like if we're not tapping into like in the worst days of my life, there's something in there that's making me not laugh maybe immediately because it's so traumatic. Yeah. But like, yeah, I wasn't said, laughing at distance. the time. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, a week later. But I... did you clock it? Did you kind of go, oh, this is going to be a funny story? Actually, in that moment, I couldn't even. I, I was just Sorry. like, it was more like, just my fucking love. <laughs> like, because I knew that he was like a client of hers. I right. knew that they were really close. And I was like, how? and praying one day I'd get to meet him oh, and it's right. just like oh this this is how I get to meet Ryan Gosling yeah. is like just looking utterly sad yeah um so you were but you said you're writing so do you have this 
script is it ready to go or like where is it at yes oh great so that I, that's also huge because yeah. some people like I like everybody in Los Angeles has a script that they're working <laughs> on so you're actually yeah it's it turns out writing's very difficult turns uh, out yeah, yeah it turns out it's really hard it took me like two years to to get it to the completed wow. stage and um yeah many many a draft where you're like oh my god this is amazing (laughs) and then i'm really lucky because my boyfriend is like a very talented writer and so he so he was reading over he was like oh he's read every draft and given me the most detailed notes you know and basically took me through writing school and very direct notes too might i say where it's just like Oh yes, <laughs> like I, but you know, the first my first draft, I was I just flew through it. Like it was just you know it was coming yeah. out of me, and it was just so much fun. I was like, oh my god, yeah. I'm amazing. <laughs> and then, and then I'm like, here you go, expecting to be going, and we're shooting yeah, basi- tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, basically, like you got to send this out. Like mm-hmm. call 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 on the contracts. Like like you you're ready to go. And he was just like so. I have some notes. <laughs> there was just, like, At least he was hesitant. At least he <laughs> stepped into it timidly. Yeah, and he, but he, you know, he gave me every pass, like so many notes, and each one I could feel myself getting closer, but also just, you know, seeing the mountain in front of me, and so it really took me a long time yeah. because it's just all these, you know, I've been reading scripts most of my life, but to actually do it yourself and understand, kind of like you know just basic stuff of like how to build a story that you just don't think about when you're reading Mm -hmm. the script um but so it was it was a really great experience and i'm really proud of the script and the hope is you know that i can get funding for it and you know a female producer who like gets it Mm -hmm. and can champion it go in the trenches with me but i would love to i don't want to be in it oh really uh i i just want to direct it right was that a conscious decision, or is it something that you came to later? No. Well, when I was writing it, I, I'd never thought about directing before, ever. And I'm writing this thing, and it's a very visual story, and it's very kind of fantasy sequences and, like, heightened reality. And, I, you know, I'm writing it, and I'm like, I can just fucking see this. Mm-hmm. And it was through that that I was like, oh, you I have, have to. to direct yeah. this. Like, no one else. Yes, you don't have a choice anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and then... Again, that's like that according to who thing. I had never even considered that, you know, I could write or I could direct. Like, I had just, you know, assumed the, the position right. of an actor, right. you know? Yeah. Like, and just kind of like, well, if you're an actor, you got to commit 100%. And, like, if you were to ever kind of, like, dabble in other things, then that means that you're not fully committed to your craft. Like, this was the story yeah. that somehow I picked up from somewhere so who reversed that for you honestly <laughs> i don't know why i'm revealing this is so weird so this i love this... the lead up already it's fantastic well i don't know i might disappoint you it's not nope. like crazy but like this writing this script and then realizing that i wanted to direct and then that's where directing that music video came in as like, I just want to see if I like this. Right. And so my friend had a song and I was like, can I make a music video? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but all of this came from like two years ago. I, <laughs> now, I don't know if your listeners are like into like spiritualness and like, Bring it you on. know, but 
I I was in a really really dark place, but like could not understand. It wasn't like an event happened uh-huh. or anything. Just like nothing made sense anymore. Right. And I got I was just really dark, really anxious, but like could not figure out what it was. And I wasn't going to therapy at the time. And a friend of mine was like, I explained everything, and he was like, Oh, you're going through a dark night of the soul, and I was like. I don't know what that is, but yes. Right. Like it just like when he said it, I was like, Clicked. that's that sounds that sounds correct. Tell me more about and, this. Yeah. So so then, you know, I just go home and Google like Just so you know, like I think you're a very intelligent person and I think you probably come at things from a thinking so for you to have this experience, I don't I don't belittle it. I it, think it's it's fairly significant. If we sat down here and you're like, I'm just going to do a quick smudge before, <laughs> then I'd be like, oh, okay, that's your world. That's no judgment. That's still, sure. but I think you're in a different, Yeah. For, so that, this must have been big for it you. It was, but, and it made sense as he's explaining it. He's like, you know, usually, usually it's triggered by if there's a sudden death in your life mm-hmm. um, or usually by death where it's just kind of like life doesn't make sense anymore because like why did this per- you know but like I didn't have a death but it can also just come out of you know they say like your consciousness is asking for mm-hmm. it and so I googled like dark night of the soul and there's like fucking nothing out there about it but there was this one book by this author Thomas Moore who talked about a dark night of the soul yeah is that is that um, Soulmates? The guy who wrote Soulmates? Probably, because yeah. he has another oh. one. Oh, oh sorry, Daryl. I didn't mean to but exclude it's, you. It's basically, you know, that you... It's like it's a tunnel you go through uh-huh. where you basically dismantle... And not by choice. This is just like it naturally and subconsciously starts happening where, like, nothing makes sense anymore. Like, the things that used to ground you as a human being like your morals your values uh-huh. your priorities none of that makes sense anymore and so it's a very fucking painful process yeah. because you go through like you then just start like letting go of all these things it's just like yeah i don't i don't want to be the pretty girl like in the movie and like i don't want to do everything perfectly and i don't want to like work out with a trainer and I don't want to like all of these things that you used to like you know drive your life yeah no longer makes sense you know and a lot of people separate from partners and stuff yeah. that did not happen no, to but me but at the death right yes. like the death of a relationship totally yeah. and so and then through that you and this is what the Thomas More book showed to me where it's like this is actually an exciting time because you get to explore like the basement of yourself that you would never no one goes down to the basement like mm-hmm. willy-nilly like you you don't choose to go down to the basement but you have been you you you're put on a train and you have no choice like it's going and so you're you get to explore the depths of yourself that usually you wouldn't get to and this whole other part of yourself to get true meaning and understanding of like what is important and a value to you and you're like shedding this old self and finding your new it's like you're a snail and you're finding mm-hmm. your new little home right. and but it was like that seems kind of exciting it was listen on paper I'm like talking about it like this it was so like then I figured out I wanted to write and I wrote a script right, it does and I'm doing like the Instagram post yeah. <laughs> okay. and then I wait, wait, wrote an album selfie. from my depression 
But, like, let me tell you, it was, like, the most fucking, like, and I've gone through depression. I've gone through an eating disorder. I've gone through some dark stuff. Yeah. It was the most uncomfortable, you know, there was a six-month period where it was the most intense. And like, it was, just day-to-day, like, uncomfortable going, like, what am I supposed to be doing? It was just, what like... Did it, what did it, how did it manifest? Like, physically, I had no energy. Like, there were days where, like... The idea of moving my wet clothes into the dryer, I was like, no. Not even no, it's just like, I can't. Right. Like, I just, I can't pick up my arm. And, but again, you know, you're saying like, this is the dark night of the soul, but you're, there, there's this other voice that's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. Like, get your shit together. Like, right. pick. Which is the thing we were talking before of just like, let yourself not do the laundry. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then over time, you just kind of like succumb to it and, and just kind of. But how did. Okay, so I'm so curious about yeah. this, but how did people around you allow you to go through this? Like, it feels almost like a, like a phoenix. Yes, yes. It was. So, I'm very lucky that my, my boyfriend is someone who, you know, did not bat an eye when I told him about I'm this. I'm going through the dark side of the sun. Yeah, just, yeah, I explained it to him. He's like, that makes sense. <laughs> and he's not, like, he's he's a science boy. Like, right. like he's like, show me the facts. Right. <laughs> but I think so are you a little bit. Like... A little bit. But I'm also still, though, very, like... You know, my mom loved horoscopes and okay. stuff like that. And you like, have your I, foot in both. Yeah, worlds. I love a good psychic. Okay. Um, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes. Um, but so he was very, very understanding, and I think, you know, for so much of my life, you know, much like my mom, like I've been a bulldozer. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're feeling down. Like let's fucking work our way mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. And I'm the person who, when I'm not working, like as an actor, I create some sort of project. Granny girls. Granny girls. Photography. All of that. Like, I do that. Not to say that, like, there isn't so many beautiful things that come out of that, but the driving force behind that is so I don't have to feel this stuff. Like <gasps> that might make me cry a little bit. Because <laughs> that's really, like, yeah. I think we, we a lot of us do that. I mean, I create projects so that I can be in charge of mm-hmm. my creativity. Yeah. Which I think is healthy, but at the same time, I think I'm sometimes avoiding. Yeah, and it's, it's again, it's the same thing with the Instagram thing. It's not to say that, like, you can't make projects to feel like you're, you know, to put your art out there and to be in control or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's it's more about the, like, there's the car. The car's going to look the same in both scenarios, it's what is in the engine is important. And so, like, what is the driving force? Is it because, like, oh, I have this idea and it gets me so excited and I'm inspired and I Mm want to share this? Or, for me, what it used to be was, like, you are a pathetic piece of shit who's not working. Like, you need to fucking, like, do something so that, like, the world sees you doing something. And so the cars look the same, but you open the, the hood and the engine looks very, very different. Mm-hmm. And so that, for me, you know, this process was really about kind of like letting go of all of those things that used to soothe me. Like, they no longer will soothe you when you're going through this. Like, the idea of like starting a project was not even like an option. Mm-hmm. And I really had to, for the first time, just kind of like sit with myself. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, the idea of like sitting on the couch and like watching 
Netflix all day is just like that's not me like I that's uncomfortable like some people are like ooh that sounds great I'm like mm-hmm. that sounds like a death sentence right, right, right. And, and there were days where I just had to let myself do that and kind of hear that self talk and then let it burn out mm-hmm. until the point where I'm just like I'm really enjoying just like doing nothing yeah. and then and then that burns out and then it, it's on to the next thing but it was just a really kind of like weird unfolding it was also I was very lucky that right as I was having this realization about this dark night of the soul that I found this therapist who, when I told her, she's like, why are you here? I'm like, I'm going through a dark night of the soul. And she was just like, okay, got it. And I was just right. like, oh, this, and she's been such a gift to me mm-hmm. in these past two years with like the the work that we've done together. And I can't imagine where I would be now had I not had her help and guidance yeah. going through all of that. But how yeah. did you know you were out of that? It's it's just a gradual lift, mm-hmm. you know. This yeah. is the way that depression is. It's just like it's not like you wake up a fog lift. Yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. not like you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm better. It's the same with the eating disorder. Right. You know, it's just well, like wasn't there like a thing that you were like, oh, I'm not doing that thing anymore. I think the one the biggest one for me was just that like my energy was coming mm-hmm. back, um, and then through that then is like where you start. I don't know. I feel like sometimes I'm still somewhat in it. But not as intensely, but just maybe not in it, but just that I'm still shedding old beliefs that I like are no longer serving me, but that I mm-hmm. never like stopped to question. You know, that was the Instagram thing, right. you know, like that was definitely a response to like all of that where it was just like, this doesn't feel good. And I'm only doing this because I think I'm supposed to. Yeah. And like, why? according to who yeah. and so for me that's that's why I got off it wasn't like this big like you know moment of like trying to like prove a point to people it's just like this is just for me that yeah. like I'm, I'm doing this so so then this um the I film, feel like what? anyone listening to this should be like wow this girl's really up her own ass about like I feel like you're very I don't think so I think you're very self-aware and you're probably like at a point right now that you're like, oh, and that, and that, and that. Like, I'm, I think I'm definitely in a zone yeah. about myself. <laughs> like when we when we launch this, it might be a different world. Where you're like, oh, I'm so she's in a back on focus. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> All these selfies. It's just like, like she's in a bikini. I just saw like, the valid interesting. the validity of like bikini selfies. I just saw it. Yeah, and then, and then I'd be like, okay, cool, Amanda. Thanks. Like yeah, and that's fine. People can change their opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like I mean the film that you're writing is it? Uh, it's probably semi-autobiographical. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, inspired by my life and my experiences. It's, yeah. How do you feel about putting that out there? Because there's details. Yeah, but... I'm. there's nothing in there. I feel like, you know, when I made the decision to talk about my eating disorder, that was a point of like, well, there's nothing else you can really hide, you right. know? Because, like, that's, like, my deepest, Right, darkest... but don't you feel like you have to have a little, I mean, hence the not on Instagram, but like the privacy issues. In yes. Life. I'm a huge boundary person. Like I, See, I don't, I don't, <laughs> no, but, but 
for example, for example, today at the gym, this guy came up to me and, you know, he recognized me and then he was pitching me. His, awesome. He, if you're on Silicon Valley, you get pitched a lot by just random people. Right. So he's pitching me his skincare line and he's looking for people to post about it. And so, and I was like, oh, like it was great. I was just yeah. like, oh, I'm not on Instagram. Right, right. You know, and he was just like, why not? And that was... What I told him was an example of a boundary. I didn't tell him I had an eating disorder. I didn't tell him my whole story. Right. I just told him that, like, you know, mentally it's just not a healthy place for me. Yeah. And I left it at that. And so that, for me, is an example of, like, you know, where the boundary is. He can read about it or whatever, right. but I'm not going to talk to him face-to-face about my eating disorder. At that, the gym. This guy's not going to get it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, yeah, the yeah. blank look on his face when I told him that I wasn't on Instagram, he's just like, why? <laughs> like, did not yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, so, and, and there, you know, there are things, you know, I don't talk about like my boyfriend, like, yeah. you know, in, in interviews and get into details about that. So there are things that I do hold my cards close to me about, mm-hmm. and then there's other things, but the eating disorder is just kind of like the reason why I started sharing my story was because a friend of mine who's sober and has been sober for many years, he really encouraged me because he he believes, and this is the same person who told me about the dark night of the soul. <laughs> Love him. But he told me, he was just like, you know, he, he really believes that if you've gone through something really dark and traumatic and you've come out the other side, it is your duty to pass it forward yeah. to help other people. And that doesn't necessarily mean you need to like do it on like such a public scale. Like it could just be talking to a yeah. friend, you know, there's yeah. different versions of it. But when he said that, you know, I really started to think about, like, why haven't I talked about it and realized that it was because I was worried people were going to judge me. You know, there's a stigma yeah. surrounding eating disorders. And- but we are. We're professional judges. This world is. Like, yes. We, like, you see somebody on the street and you make a, an assumption totally. about their life. That's just... It's going to... It's humanity. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. And I just needed to get comfortable with yeah. that, that, like, you know... People are gonna judge me, right. but when people it, go like, "No judgment," I'm like, mm, "I doubt it." <laughs> I can see you judging. That's right. But just accepting that and knowing that, like, well, if I can help a handful of people, mm-hmm. and the cost that I have to pay for that is that some people are gonna judge me, that to me is You're worth okay it, you know. And I'm okay with that. And so I'm, you know, I really thought long and hard about it though, because I knew that once I opened up that can of worms, it it was going to be, there was no kind of like turning back, like, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. It wasn't like a full out eating disorder. It was just like, oh, I like to diet. Bye. You can't go backwards. You really can't. I just stopped eating French fries. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. So, um, but yeah, so I really thought, thought it through. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, are you happy with your life? Like, is there something that, I always feel like there's the thing that we're seeking balance in. What's the thing that you're looking for more or less of? Um, oh God, what, what am I not looking for? Well, I don't know. Like it looks like, I mean, this is also the perception, right? The perception of everybody. Like, yeah. you, like what a great place. Your You're life's like, together. You got a great dog. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You seem like you have a good spirit. So is there something that you kind of go, I could do with more of this? Yeah, I think honestly, and this is going to sound so fucking like, yeah, we get it, man. <laughs> it's about yourself. <laughs> but like right now, just like this period that I'm in, I'm, I'm just seeking that harmonious relationship with myself. Cause I feel like when that's in place, everything else will fall into yeah. place. And, and you it's... can look after other people then. Like, don't you think it's so odd when you see people trying to look after 
like I have a friend and they're always like oh you should do this you should do this I'm like buddy you should do that for yourself <laughs> stop telling me yeah. take your own advice yeah. but it's you know I've been for so long like in a constant battle with myself uh-huh. not good enough like picking myself apart and so much of this work that I've been doing has been kind of quieting that voice understanding where it comes from and how false it is mm-hmm. and I just the more and more that I learn about it the more I feel you know certain parts of myself just kind of loosening like mm-hmm. just being more at peace and like oh this feels good mm-hmm. this and like I want more of that and I just feel that like if I have that then like all of the kind of the seeking the striving that is causing me pain you know like like I haven't worked and so like all of that stuff as actors that you know that crazy talk of like gotta book something I'm like why did that person book it like all of that quiets down when you like are harmonious with yourself when you love yourself it sounds so funny well, <laughs> Um, if you weren't such a candid and funny person, I would be like, what's going on? But you're also saying it with, you know, you're, yeah. the, the reality of where you're coming from. But do you have anything like, because I feel like this kind of thing, like getting in harmony, harmony? you getting in harmony with yourself is like something that a lot of people are going to go, oh, I get that. I want that. Yeah. But what is like an actual step that you can take for that? Well, as we as we've heard, mm-hmm. I love therapy. therapy. We got that. <laughs> but so Which somebody, is also a privilege, and I recognize right. like not everyone. It's it's expensive. Like, is there a muscle? Because I also think that these are all muscles that we need to exercise, right? Like that self, um, like getting away from your self judgment. That's a muscle. We're really really good at going. Yes. Naomi, you're not doing this. Naomi, you're not doing that. So now I have to equally exercise the muscle of. Hey, you did a good job at that. Right. I think like. <laughs> said it how many times but like <laughs> according to who has been such a like a like an eye-opener for yeah. me because I recognize that like even like you know a couple years ago even though I've been recovered from my eating disorder there's still like I mean we live in a toxic like diet culture body like all of that yeah and so there was still the part of me that it, I was never in a dangerous place but like you know like like work like I had a trainer and it's just like what like why do you have a trainer what like what like why do you feel like you need a trainer according to it's like I well I need to be in shape as like an actor and I have to like have this kind of like body and it's right. just like according to who and right. like what would that look like if you if you didn't and would you like actually just start working out to for your body to feel good instead right. of like so going, if it's according to you Right, according to me, I like I like that I am healthy. Yes. So then, it's, it's, power to but you. But like, it's knowing those things for yourself and knowing that you're doing it from an authentic place in yourself, as opposed to doing it to please someone mm-hmm. else. And that even you know, like, you know, I went to TIFF in September, and and then it's tailed onto like the Emmys, which Silicon was like nominated mm-hmm. for, and it's always just like a fucking clusterfuck of two weeks where it's just like events 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 that mean nothing like no one like nothing I've done it so many times where I know that like I do not leave those feeling good right I the photos do nothing like having your photo on on, like those carpets like at like I don't know like this vodka company's like 
party like just because you're invited doesn't mean you have to go and I would always feel guilt and conflicted like right. I gotta go and then gotta get the hair and makeup and then now I'm worried about like do I look puffy in my dress and like all that stuff yeah. and I I just I didn't go to anything I went to you know the premiere and TIFF and I went to the actual Emmys and that's it and that you know for me was such a liberation mm-hmm. that like I never would have considered the years before that I had an option that I had a choice in in this that mm-hmm. like I could just say I don't want to go because mm-hmm. you realize like it, you know if you if you genuinely want to go then it's a fun experience but clearly I was in conflict about it because it was like I was dreading it mm-hmm. yeah that's when you stop listening to yourself right and that's when I feel like inner conflict happens exactly like, and if we can be quiet enough to actually hear the voices going like hey you don't really want to go then don't go. I often ignore those voices well, and we find all myself do. And at events going, what? I know. Like, why did I do this? Oh, gifting sweets are like my nightmare. I mean, every time they take a photo of me, I'm like, there goes my soul. Oh, like every time. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, I struggle with stuff like that too. Cause I think of, um, like something like the firecracker department that I feel is a really purposeful project. And so something like a gifting suite or red carpet will actually help it. Right. So then I really, I go in common. But, but I think like if you go there with that of like knowing like this is really good for like my podcast that mm-hmm. I love I so do. much. I love it. Yes. Yeah. So then like it doesn't feel so bad because it, like it's coming from a yeah. place of that. Whereas if I know, because I've done the Emmys like five years in a, in a row and yeah. I know that like going to the vodka party does jack shit yeah. because there's so many people there like you're like really all you're going to those parties for is for your photo to be picked up but like for what like and no one's picking up my photo because like you know there's way bigger celebrities at these parties than me and so like I'm not doing it for anything and so that's why it feels gross because there's no intention behind why I'm going I have a secret that I I don't drink at those events and I wear really comfortable shoes and I make sure I have like one really good conversation that's I love that. I love that like agenda for yeah. yourself. Like, gotta get that good conversation. In. Yeah, I, I always like, bring eye to eye conversation with somebody at the I party. I like that. Yeah. I always bring Converse with me. Yeah, I, like just post like you know pose in my heels that are stupid. I'm like, how do people walk in no, these? Enough of that. I don't understand that whole heel thing. I honestly, I'll wear boots and they have to be comfortable. I have like hush puppy heels yes. that are super comfortable. Uh, we did a thing last year with um, the Women in Film mm-hmm. uh, party at TIFF where Firecracker Department sponsored flip-flops. So everybody got flip-flops oh my God, the front genius. door. So that you could talk about something other than your stupid feet hurting. I know. Isn't that so, like, fucked up? It like, is because, like, we're talking about, we're, like, making, we're artists. We're making films. And yet, what do you want to talk about? Like, oh, my heels. You know, my feet are killing me. Oh, this dress is, like, bun- like yeah. cutting into me. And, like, I would just, I would always get so angry you know, with silicon and like the boys, like yeah. they just can go to like all of it because they can wear the same suit and they just shower and then they're ready to go. And like, I have to like hire a stylist. So I have a different dress for every single event. And then I got to like go to the tailors and then yeah. I got to get my nails done. So and much my hair. Work. It's just like, it's so much work and so much money. And that's where I was just like, the amount of like what I'm getting yeah. out of this is not what I'm putting in. Like, it's not worth it no. to me. And when I did it, I actually ended up having such a fun time at the Emmys because I was not exhausted right. from the week before of just all of these parties. 
And I was like, oh, this is the way to do it. Right, right, right. And right. again, like, if you're nominated, yeah, you fucking do that circuit. Of you, course. like, work it. But again, there's an intention behind it of, like, you know, I want to win. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I mean, you've got, a, you've got a ensemble that you're part of with Silicon. You want to have, like, a place to meet and show yeah. solidarity. That's, like, I think a valid reason to yeah. be there. I also did this thing last TIFF where I had one dress. I had a designer make me one dress. And then I styled it in ten different ways. That is so it, fun. Do you watch changer. Real Housewives of Dallas? I don't. Because, <laughs> like, there's this one girl, like, she, like, created, like, a dress that's, like, you can wear it 120 different right. ways. Yeah. And. I'm going to look it up. Well, you know, what the final, it's. It's a smart idea. I, I don't think hers really, like, I'm sure yours was, like, oh, cooler than, like... I don't know. Mine had pockets, and I biked in it. So I oh was pretty God, happy. Oh, my God, you're my hero. Yeah. That's perfect. Dinah Coatesworth designed it, and, um, you know, I would just style it differently, but it was, like, the part of my brain that was, like, what am I going to wear? How am I going to pose? Is it going to be okay? I was, like, I know how that's going to fit me. I'm super comfortable in it. I love that. I just changed my hair and makeup. You did your own according to who? According to Sneakers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Do you have, I have to wrap it up because I could talk to you all day, but do you have um, any books or movies or shows that you're um, obsessed with these days? Um, so I just started watching Atlanta. Oh. I know I'm really behind. No, no, I haven't finished that either. Um, I'm, and that first season is so It's so good, good. It's so, so good. Um, and then like pretty much... Every housewives. Oh, you're ever. big oh, on that. Oh, yeah. What's the attraction for that? I think it's just like, it's just you don't have to think when you watch yeah. it. And I mean, also Vanderpump Rules, which is just like these people are crazy. Right. But don't you superimpose? Like I'm always thinking, if I like if somebody asked me to do that show, I can imagine like desperate, like housewife, housewife, then sneak us, and I'd be like, what? going on what are you guys talking about like just the reality of how my brain oh yeah like I yeah me in there would be very interesting drag race which I'm super into but just got into like over Christmas and then we've been binging all of the seasons and we love it so much um what about Fleabag haven't seen it do I gotta see it Yes. Okay. Yes. Have you this... seen either season? Mm-mm. Okay. It, I'm so enamored with it's um, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yes. You I've know heard. She... I've, yeah, and I've heard so much yeah. about it. She's just a really smart, funny talent. Like, yeah, it's just a really I smart. Gotta check it yeah. out. Um, and I mean, <laughs> the books. It's just like all of, all I read are like self-development books. yeah you're really in that zone right yeah now. I've re- but i've always been it like Maybe. i've always been like byron katie um what was the title of her book because that was the book that like really when i first moved here and was kind of going through all that that one really pulled me up but i can't remember what that one's called um it's funny because i remember talking to you earlier and you have a real financial passion too uh, yeah we didn't even like i know we didn't even go into that tap into but i'm like, so curious because it seems like that's such detached brain. yes but i love that about yeah. you like i love that there's this world where you're like i'm writing a movie but i'm also really into investing <laughs> i love that that's me and that i mean i'm a gemini you know yeah. there's like two very different sides to me but yeah Dave Ramsey's financial books, all of them are really, really good. That's opened okay. up a whole world for me. Debt-free community on Instagram. That's a positive place to go. Yeah. <laughs> I get it, though. I think it's really smart. And to have, like, control and power over your money is so 
empowering. Yes, it's very empowering. Mm-hmm. And I think especially for women because that's something that I, you know, am grateful for with my upbringing. Like, my mom was the breadwinner. And mm-hmm. so I learned just from her that, like, you can make more money than a man. Like, you should never, like... Yeah. And so that that's never been, like, a block for me. Like, I think for a lot of women, it's a block yeah. because of how they were raised in just society. And so I love... Mm-hmm like reading these books because it it's just kind of like solidifies all that stuff yeah. for me of like it is because it, it's very confusing and it's overwhelming and like 401k it's rsp like your yeah you know your health insurance and oh, the health insurance your so, eyes just rolled back yeah, it's just so like far. so fucking confusing but like yeah. all of it and like especially as an actor you know one year you make 20,000 the next year you make 200,000 it's like you got to stretch that yeah. and you need to plan for that and you know especially living in LA there's such a lifestyle inflation thing that I'm also guilty of that um that you really want to kind of you know Dave nips that in the butt you right. just gotta keep your budget the same no matter what you're making yeah I mean you have to enjoy your money right like you've Absolutely. worked hard you should enjoy your money a little bit whether you you know like whether you make a hundred dollars that week or a more than that. Yeah. But you should like go out and be like, oh, I did that. You know, to celebrate. Because you could be dead the next week. Let's just it's, celebrate a little it, bit. Yes, no, you should. Not celebrate you by like to... buying a yacht, but like. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you don't need to like punish yourself no. on a budget. But that's what people, that's what the book's about is like people, when they think budget, they think like diet, like restriction. Right. And it's not that. It's just telling your money where to go like and so it can be this is so your jam i love how like you're <laughs> but it like, can be five hundred dollars a month or it can be your budget could be fifteen thousand yeah. dollars a month it, the budget isn't about restriction it's just about being like s- smart and thoughtful about like where your money's going and like for us like just groceries it's just like you know you, you just buy what you want to eat and then you're like how did i spend twelve hundred dollars on groceries in one month and so then when you're like, you know what, I only want to spend $800. Mm-hmm. And then you just start thinking about it a bit more yeah. and you're tracking it and you're looking at it and you're like, like we realized that like we were buying all of our groceries at the 365 down the street, which is basically Whole Foods. Like they try to so say it's Trader Joe's it's for Whole not. Foods, but it's, it's just yeah. as pricey. And so we started going to Trader Joe's and didn't change anything, just the fact that we were buying our groceries at Trader Joe's. And we like that month. It was like four hundred dollars less. I'm gonna shock you, and you can move to one other grocery store and probably save another like three hundred. <laughs> if I go to like right? Ralph's and like right, yes, it's conscious though. Like that seems like a theme we're talking about a lot is conscious living, like consciously putting your money as opposed to just you know, like somebody. I heard somebody say like I don't even look at the bill when it comes at a restaurant. I'm like what? I like you don't. You know how I many people don't look at like their credit card state? Like they don't want. And that was me for so long. I wouldn't even open my bank account like online. It was just like so much anxiety. But you're creating more anxiety by not looking at it. Like question marks in your head of like it's probably this. I don't know. It could be this or whatever. Yeah. And just facing it. The first couple months that I was doing the Dave Ramsey technique. Love it. Lots Love it. of anxiety. I, like I, it was like hard to look at. You're like, wait, I spent. How much on, you know, I know I'm not a spender, but when you looked at the numbers, it's like, you've been fucking spending. Right. You know, and I can always see like months that I was working. That's when I'm like, mommy's treating herself and she's going to get some clothes. And then the months where I hadn't been working for a while and those were the months that were, you know, like not spending. And it's like, there's clearly an emotional connection here, you know, and, and they get into that of just like money is, is emotional and 
owning things isn't you know it's it's about filling <laughs> now we'll really get into it right. but like it is about filling a void and like you know I buy this shirt because I think it, people are gonna think I'm successful or attractive or whatever yeah. and and that's consumerism wow I sound like a nerd <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. I think you're wise. I don't think that I don't think the word nerd is a, as negative as it used to be either. So yeah. All right. Last question is, um, and this is, used to be advice you would give your younger self that I would ask people, but I feel like that's advice that I would give myself now anyway. <laughs> so is there something that you used to like that looking back to the 21 year old that came to LA that you could wish you could have told yourself then? I think like stop trying to be cool. Like stop right. trying. Which to... you just said too, right? <laughs> like about your financial. <laughs> <laughs> but know. it is, you know. But, I mean, yeah, but we're all looking to fit in. Like yeah. I don't blame you for trying to. Want no, that's cool. like how we've been, you know, bred to be. Like yeah. you know, it's just like you want you don't want to stick out. But I'm a weirdo, and like then I'm denying. <laughs> Look at denying who I really am. I mean, look at your dog really owning his... Yeah, he's just in a little ball. Bite. Yes. Uh, I think you're fantastic. I can't wait to see what you do as a director and as a writer. And, Thank you. Um, you're a treat. This to... was so nice. I'm it's so like such a great to... conversation. Yeah, I could have talked. I mean, this is the problem. Like, we can talk for another <laughs> two hours, and then my editor is like, I don't know. Anyway, I think you're fantastic. And thank you so much. Thank you yeah, so much. This was so nice. Great. Oh, she's just so good and interesting, right? But don't you want to just do another like three hours talking to Amanda Crew? I sure do. It's so interesting hearing these discussions because they were recorded quite a while ago. And it's just, it's cool to see how the firecracker department is changing and growing even from just last year. It kind of blows my mind. Uh, we've got a full firecracker team now and we're growing almost every week. We are so jazzed about what's coming up. I can't wait to share the news with you, share the event ideas with you, uh, share them with you. Come and join us, whether you're in Toronto or Los Angeles. Love to have you part of it. We're also trying to do more stuff online, so there'll be an opportunity for people to have like live chats with us while we're, while we're doing these events. We're going to have some bonus episodes coming out before the end of the year. Panels that I've done in Los Angeles and Toronto. And these are, they're some of my favorite things to do just because we can have a live conversation with people in the audience. But just the buzz of having like dynamic people all together. It's a, it's a pretty fun thing. So stay tuned for the panel show and also our after show. Go to our YouTube channel and check out our after show. That's always fun with me, AJ, Emily, and usually a special guest star from our core department. And we're thinking about opening it up to folks like you. Maybe you'd like to be part of the after show. Send us a letter. Send me an email. Let me know. Firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and let us know what things stuck with you from these discussions. Even if it's like a few words or like Ah, really connected to her dog when he made that noise. I really did, which I get. Uh, we just always love hearing from you, and I promise you we always, always write back. All your links are at firecrackerdepartment.com. Thank you so much for listening. It's a pleasure. You could listen to a lot of things, and you chose to listen to us. So thanks. None of this would be possible without my kick-ass firecracker department team. They are incredible. Oh my gosh, we're so lucky to have each other. And, uh, and it just got one better, because you're here. 
Um, that's AJ Edmonds, Anne Augustuson, Arwen Humphreys, Camille Adams, Chelsea McKenzie, Deanna Moffat, Emily Churchill, Farah Morani, Harmeet Body, Jennifer Rowley, Joe Boland, Jennifer Pogue, Christy Corrales, Laura Lee Macchio, Monique Madrid, Naomi Wright, Rachel Cairns, Rachel Wilson, Sarah Bodin, Sid Nielsen, Veronica Martin, Vicky Breer, and Winnie Wong. That's our core team. I adore these women. I really, really do adore them. Special shout out to Sid Nielsen who edits all these podcasts and oh my God, could not do without the brain and heart of Sidney Nielsen. We have chapters in Toronto, Los Angeles, and starting one in England. So if you ever want to get involved with us, give us a shout. Firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com. Tell us what you're interested in and how you'd like to get involved. But we do have some great, amazing events coming up in Toronto and Los Angeles in 2020. So you're going to want to keep in touch. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at firecrackerdepartment.com. That's it for me. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time at the Firecracker Department. 